On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we start the episode looking at the College Football National Championship. It is a rematch, Georgia versus Alabama. Recency bias has shown Alabama has dominated, so we weigh in and make our picks. Plus, we get Hughes' take on what happened to his Michigan Wolverines. Ouch! Then we turn our focus to the first ever week number 18 in the NFL season. It's a funky week because some teams are out of it. They don't have anything to play for. But you got guys who are shooting for individual incentives. Plus, you got some teams playing for seedings. It's tough. And Hughes is the number one leader in our pool right now with the last week. One more week of picks left. So stay tuned for episode number 122 of Double Down Trent. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent yeah, and the fucking Bruins just lost. Fucking Celts are probably going to blow this game. They are. They're going to no. lose the Knicks. Are they blowing yeah. it to the Knicks? They were what? up 30. They yeah, were up fucking 30. Fournier got caught fire, didn't he? Fournier's got 50, I think. What is wrong with this Celtics team? They can't They're play in the second trash. half. They're yeah. trash. I mean, you said it. You, the fucking house really- is on fire, boys. <laughs> I may, just let it auto pick. I may let it auto-pick. That might be my take for this fucking weekend. I'm just going to let the fucking thing auto-pick for me. Well, you heard it, folks. Welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. We've got a lot to cover. We've had a nice little winter holiday hiatus. Took a couple of weeks off, but we are back. We're joined tonight by our NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? Doing great. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, I'm excited to start, you know, recording some more pods. I love doing the playoff pods. So this is like uh, really getting the uh, cardiovascular system caught up to speed, I think, ready for, uh, you know, the next four weeks, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are the games that matter the most. And then we got a lot of strategy involved with it. And now we got an extra week, boys. Let's think of it this way. This is like a bonus week. This is week 18 so I want to also bring on our Patriots expert, living in Philly, Bill Hughes. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing good, man. It's good to see you guys. Great, uh, great holiday season. I uh, snuck back up to Maine um, to, uh, you know, just kind of uh, reset the battery over the uh, Christmas break. Uh, felt what cold really feels like, which was nice. Again, um, drove through Connecticut without any in- incidents, which is unprecedented. Um, I don't think I had to st- I had any traffic, which was great, but no, nah, uh, it's been a good time, but I'm really pumped for, yeah, this bonus week. And then we got a super wild card weekend too, that we get to talk about where we got a couple extra games, which is uh, another bonus. Not only do we get this extra, um, regular season week, but that, that as well should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I got a lot of stuff on, on my end as well. We, Booked a trip, my wife and I. So long story short, I'm coming back off of paternity leave. My wife is coming off of maternity leave. Months ago, she goes, let's book a trip that's kind of like marking the end of this, right? It's like, yeah, sure, whatever. She books it, and I'm not thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute. That weekend feels like it's an important weekend. It's the super wild card weekend. It's the first weekend of the NFL playoffs. I'm going to be in an international location. We're going – well, not international. Let me clarify. We're going to the U.S. Virgin Islands thinking like it's a U.S property we can go in there no covid restrictions i don't even know if i'm gonna get the games boys i'm i'm a nervous wreck right now <laughs> they gotta have the games there's definitely gonna be some place there'll be a sports be bar that has yeah. the games it's I've the Googled nfl already i think there's a sports bar that i've uh, circled so at least i've got that pinned down Kaz, yeah, if, you were, be, if you were worried, what about the L.A. for a day? It was, oh, L.A. might lose the Super Bowl. And then the mayor just came on today and was like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. This is the most outlandish thing of all time. You're not losing the Super Bowl to COVID. Like, F that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. No, I totally agree. You may actually just offer you know, any of those old school uh, – off-track betting, horse race fans. You may be in that sports bar watching some TV that's about seven by eight. Yep. It's getting like regular death. You're like, I can't tell which fucking team I that is. I haven't gotten but, a new TV in that bar in 20 yep. years. Yep. But I, 
I bet the game will be on somewhere. You, you, you'll be able to find it. You'll find it. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, the, I mean, the, Giants, the Giants are playing, so you'll have to find it, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you brought him up too quick, Hughes. We, that was going to be a later angry <laughs> segment. I'm trying to stay positive I'm already right now. Let's get into the first segment then. Yes, let's talk let's college football. The first segment because we had a very interesting, contentious college football playoff game. For the listeners, we had hyped this up a little bit. We didn't do a full preview of this game. We were on hiatus. But the Georgia-Michigan game, now, I am an adopted Georgia fan. Uh, my wife went there, so I've now become part of the Bulldog family. Hughes, you're a diehard Michigan Wolverine man. The back and forth we had was, uh, you know, pretty good. You felt pretty confident about your boys. Yeah. They my did take, not show up, man. My take was a lot fucking better than their play. Let's just <laughs> say that. Like, if anybody wants to hear the best thing that happened to Michigan uh, since the Big Ten Championship, go listen to whatever I said about them when I was talking them up about having a chance against Georgia. I mean, it was, I, I was telling these guys before we jumped on, I feel like I, I've blocked the game from my memory that it even happened because it wasn't even a game. No. Like it was unbelievable. The front seven domination that Georgia put on display. One, I think two things happened. This is what I wanted to real, get, really get in there real quick. One, Michigan's never played in a game like that. I mean, you could say the Ohio State games like that, but Ohio State happens every year. This was a team that they had never seen before, and clearly a team – I mean, they've seen them, like, you know. But clearly a team that in that moment they did not know how to rise to that occasion to play at a level that can get you to a championship. That's not a slight on them. That's just purely based on the fact that the team has not been in that position for fucking the entire Jim Harbaugh era and before that. And they're – I mean, pre-playoffs. It's the first playoff appearance. So, one, they were not ready to play. Georgia's been there before. It was clear as day they were ready to go. They were playing on another level that, again, I just think the SEC, it, it breeds that a little bit. And then also, they got outmanned in the front seven. The Michigan offensive line had been touted. They won the award for the best offensive line in the country. They got absolutely manhandled. And the middle linebacker, I don't know his name, he was unbelievable. And the Kobe Dean. Tough ton of plays all over the field. And it was clear Michigan hung. I thought at times, um, I thought the defense kind of woke up, but like, again, they also made what I thought was a very substandard quarterback, um, in better call it a cowboy hat Stetson. Um, <laughs> but he looked great. Um, he came out and he did everything he needed to do. They executed on offense again. They looked like they'd been in a situation like that in the past and that they knew what to expect. Uh, and it was pure domination. Congrats to Georgia. Clearly, clearly the better, uh, the better team um, in a lot of regards. Michigan's got a long way to go, but it was good, good steps for Michigan program. It was fun to be in a relevant game again. Highest rated sporting event other than the NFL, I think, in the last five years. Um, got just incredible ratings because yeah. that's what people want. People want a little bit of a change. It's just not going to be a change. And if we want to talk national championship, here we go again. The two best teams in the country facing off for a national championship should be a good one. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know if people are, you know, fatigued about Georgia and Alabama or they're fatigued about seeing Bam in there. Coulter, you're you're impartial between these two teams here. What do you think about getting a rematch of these two FCC teams? Yeah, it'll be pretty interesting. I think the first time the game got away from Georgia in that second quarter, you're talking about 24 points from Alabama. I, I don't see that happening again. Um, and if they can limit that Alabama offense from doing that, I think they stand a pretty good chance in terms of seeing this every year. I mean, what is there to say? I mean, until Saban vacates the throne, he is the kingpin of this, uh, whole industry. Uh, there's a huge void, honestly, when he leaves, this isn't not, this is not our, not to say the obvious, but our fathers and our grandfathers college football, when there were legends on the sideline of every single game, Texas, Oklahoma, Penn state. I mean, you go around the country, Bama. Nowadays, there's just not as many big names. There's Dabo. Uh, I mean, Lincoln Riley is going to try to become that, I think, in, in USC. But I think the way that he left Oklahoma and, uh, I mean, almost seems a little desperate to become like a celebrity coach, um, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I think why not see it again with Saban? I mean, we got to cherish these moments just like we cherish the big games of Belichick uh, that he's going to be in here down the stretch of his final part of his career. Like, yeah, I mean, I would love to see another team in there. You know, we see Bama every year. I think last year's game, I definitely got the fatigue after they beat Ohio State pretty thoroughly. It's like, do we really need to see this every year? But you know what? These are the two best teams. And as I just said, I mean, Saban is the, uh, you know, he's the kind of gold standard of the sport. And Alabama is the gold standard. And until anybody can unseat them, you know, 
I can't hate the fact that we're getting this again because it's just greatness. You know, it's just a great program and a great run. And, uh, you know, Georgia is kind of not really had their moment against them. So it really would be an interesting, you know, and it's so funny. And we could talk the spread now. I guess I'll throw it back to you. It's like, yeah. how is this team that has never had a shining moment against Alabama a three-point favorite? It's like, I just don't get it. And I, you can break down the X's and O's and the players and all that. But, like, man, it's like they have never had a historically big moment against Alabama. I just don't get it. It is shocking to me that they open up as a favorite. And I saw some line movement. I watched it right after the games um, on, New, on New Year's Eve. And it was two and a half is what it opened as, a, as Georgia's favorite. I'm seeing it now at plus three as Georgia's a favorite, which is absolutely bananas because not only do they have historically the edge in the past, was it like five years ago, the national championship, then the SEC championship, I think the following year. And then now they're, they're back again after we saw them just destroy them in the SEC championship game. So it's surprising. I will say I put an emotional hedge down. I took Alabama on the money line. It was plus 145. I mean, I think. That is the most recommended bet. If you like Bama, what are you doing? Like, I I rarely would say this because you're getting a full three, but what are you doing taking the field goal minus 118? I see it minus 120 on some sites, minus 122 on other books. Why are you doing that to yourself? Get the plus 120, plus 125, plus 145 is terrific value on Bama. Yeah. If you like Bama, take them to win. I mean, what are the – I wish we had the model to break down the math behind this, but what are the odds they lose this game by two points? I mean, there is such a better chance that they run away with it just like they did the first time or they come back and score a game-winning TD in the last drive of the game like we've seen other dynasties do, Patriots and other sports, you know? Yep. There's just not a situation where I see Georgia kicking a game-winning field goal and winning this game by a point. I just don't see that at all. I I know. Only way – I totally agree. Only way that this spread matters an iota – is if this happens to go into overtime and that stupid yeah. two point conversion <laughs> kicks in. Yeah, you know that's what literally right the only I chance. Because I thought about that dumb, that dumb, stupid two point rule. That's uh, the dumbest thing in the world. Um, but at the same time, it, it creates the weirdest wrinkle if things go into overtime, both for the fact that it used to be an auto over because there'd be 17 touchdowns yeah. in OT. Um, but now it's just like the weirdest thing. But anyways, I, I, yeah, I totally agree. Bam on money line seems like the play. But then again, it just seems like a total fish because you're like, everybody's sitting there like they killed him the first time. That's why after watching that Michigan game, I cannot believe how well the Alabama offensive line neutralized the Georgia front seven. And I think maybe Michigan watched that and thought they could do the same thing. Um, clearly not the case, but you also are definitely going to see a more motivated Georgia front. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's still much different when they, I mean, they had a month off, but uh, I mean, it made pretty easy work last week. So I don't think that like these guys are going to be chomping at the bit. Well, Bama came out and ran, quite frankly, an offense that I hadn't seen from them in the regular season. They were up-tempo, and they were running the ball, and they were throwing the ball over the field. They're, they're more of like a ground-and-pound team and let Bryce Young make the smart decisions and good throws. They came out just chucking the ball, running tempo. I think they just wore down the Georgia front seven. And, you know, I guess the argument you could say is that now Georgia saw that. They can prepare for that, and they're going to have to make Alabama adjust. And if you're going to go slug it out, then maybe Georgia's got the advantage of that front seven. But, I mean, you know— Again, I, I emotionally hedge. I took the Alabama money line. I think that's the smart play here. But, again, it could be a coin flip game. Who knows? I'm just hoping for a fantastic football game because, like we both said, like all of us have said, it's the two best teams in college football, and we get Saban once again on the big stage. I'm going to quote – And once again, the playoff was just terrible, or I should yeah. say the semifinals. Semis. I mean, how, how many years do we have to go through this where the, either both games are duds or at least one of them is just a complete dud? I mean, it is – yeah, ridiculous since they've created this it's what have been it's been seven years of this and i feel like the hit rate of a good game if you're doing three every year let's say seven years we've probably gotten seven good games out of 21 it's kind yeah. of wild and i mean sorry i, I, I think cut you off there. i thought since no. deserved to be there but they just got steamrolled by a better team it's just like in yeah, and, and in all honesty there just aren't that many other good teams right like you look around college football and I think there are there are good teams, but like none that just can compete at that consistently at that level with those two guys. I mean, Clemson is there from time to time. You're right with USC, Oklahoma, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just tough. <laughs> they just have so many dudes, and like, yeah. And I mean, yeah. This is the Rusty Cazalet staple: better coach, better quarterback. That's both on Alabama. So yep. it's going to be an uphill battle for Georgia. 
All right, gentlemen, let's pivot. Let's go to the NFL because we got a lot, and I mean a lot, to discuss. Let's start with our chain, uh, excuse me, our, our picks league, where Hughes, you've almost been wire to wire champ in the front, leading, making every pick right, having the lead here. We're down to week 18. You are still atop the standings. You have a very wire thin, razor thin lead, 152. Second place is 150. Then, if I may say, let's give the Double Down Trent shout out. Third place is at 147. I'm sitting here in fourth place at 143. Coulter, you're lurking. You made a charge. You're in eighth, but you're at 140. So you're only three back. We're all in play for this championship here. So, Hughes, I'm going to start with you. You've had to stew. You've had to sit here with the lead now into our bonus week of 18. I want to see how you're feeling and if you're going to change your strategy at all going into week 18. So um, I, I'll say this in terms of having to pick every game on the board. It's, it's one of my, one of the more fun activities to me. I do love picking one or two games, but picking the whole board's a lot of fun, but the last couple of weeks have posed two very interesting dilemmas, both being in this fix league and with COVID one, a lot of these fix leagues lock their lines in. And so you're seeing a lot of line value and a lot of line movement. And so it's so hard to, to have made a pick or thought you liked the team, then see the, the number swing, four points, three points. I mean, we we're talking about the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game at one point, and it swung six points um, with no apparent re really reason why. I mean, but, you know, you've got such movement. So it's been tough. So, yeah, I'm petrified, uh, to say the least. I had a five-point lead going into last week. Uh, came out of that, again, net down three, only with a two-point lead. Um, it's going to be tight. And, you know, trying to pick these games with some of these lines and where – some of these teams have nothing to play for, have you know, seemingly everything to play for. It's going to be tough this week. Yeah, the last week of the season is so hard because you don't know who's motivated. Sure, there are some teams who have got meaningful games, but you know they could be in a situation where, let's say, let's even let's throw out there the Broncos-Chiefs game because I know, Colter, this is your squad here. Let's say the Chiefs jump out to a 14-17 point lead. It's now the start of the fourth quarter. That game is over, right? They pull right. their starters, maybe, in the fourth quarter, and now all of a sudden it leaves a perfect backdoor situation here. You've got a lot of those in play. Now, because they have to win, right? To get the one Yeah, team. they got to win to get the one Because Tennessee team. could still. Yeah. But my point is, like, they could have the game in hand and no, pull no, their yeah. starters. I'm with you. You know? Right. Well, right. Like, that's why. Do they care that much about the one seed? I would think so. So, like, but at the same time, you're right. They'd rather, if they're up big, they're not going to be like, oh, we can't, like, we're, we don't think our, like, next uh, group of guys can, you know, get this across the finish line. So, yeah, that one's going to be tough. Yeah. And on the flip side of that coin is there are a <clears> lot <throat> of games like the New York Giants-Washington football team where golf clubs are already getting warmed up. And you ain't seeing that here. online. <laughs> We ain't seeing that here. We ain't seeing that, okay? These guys don't have their golf clubs out. <laughs> I don't even want to get started. I'm going to save my, my Giants rant for a little later. Shout, shout out Golden Tate. Yeah, God. <laughs> That's who Coulter. it was, right? Huh? That Golden was the golf Tate, yes. club guy. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. And, yeah, and now we got Golden Tate things. we got Pat Shermer things. I mean, it's just the whole <laughs> fucking mess in New York. I don't even want to talk about it. Yep. Coulter, I'd almost rather be in your spot where you are within striking distance – but you don't have to be like overthinking your picks and be like, do I need to think about the person below me? How are you feeling coming into week 18? Feeling pretty loose. You know, Hughes definitely alluded to a lot of the line value things. So, I mean, I think it just, for me, uh, made a little bit of a late season surge, um, you know, picking apart easy lines. So it's like, it's hard as Hughes just said to not take the line value. You're looking at it all week and you're, especially this week where there's no Thursday game. And you're sitting there and you look at like uh, Minnesota, I was going to give out to our listeners. And all of a sudden that's ballooned out to five and a half in, in, on the market and it's two and a half in our pool. So it's like I have to go with that. And so it's some of these games that they're just automatic picks on the line uh, value. But, um, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I did win it in 2019. So I get where Hughes is coming from. It's um, I remember sweating out. It was San Francisco, Seattle, Sunday night football, I believe in week 17, uh, <laughs> two seasons ago, that was a slog fest, low scoring game. If memory serves. And I had a couple of tequila sodas and 
celebrated my win, um, but it was a nerve wracking uh, conclusion. So I don't envy your position. You're definitely going to need some alcohol uh, for probably that Raiders and Chargers game. I hope you don't, but you might have to be in a situation well, where. And and also with the wrinkle that you guys were saying, because back then, could you switch your picks? Because the right. you're switching no, your picks they is a total it. game. Yeah. Game too. So let's so crazy. We'll fill in the listeners. There's a rule change in our league where it used to be as soon as you locked in your picks on Sunday at one o'clock, everything was locked. You can't flip flop. You can't switch it. This year, first year, we've allowed changes before kickoff. So you can change your four o'clock picks. You can change your Sunday night and even Monday night. So now we are looking at a situation, Hughes, where you can see maybe you're tied and now you're like, shit, do I flip my pick? Right. You know, if you're having a bad week, you go, you know what? I got to flip flop this one. It's going to be a very tough spot to be in. It's going to be a roller coaster. <laughs> now, for me, I'm sitting here in fourth. I'm four back a third. I realistically don't think I can jump into third unless the guy in front of me has a just disastrous week. I just got to play my game. I got to pick my board and I got to stay in fourth because fourth place gets their money back. So for me, that's a win. If anything else happens, if I jump the guy and he has a shitty week, gravy. In my head, I'm just looking at my board and I'm picking my picks trying to shoot for fourth. That's my strategy this week. Oh, man, I'm nervous. Now, before we make our picks, though, let's talk about our individual teams because two of the three of us need a hard Dr. Melfi session, some more than others. Use your team, you know, your your Melfi is, is uh, you know, all perspective. You're fighting for the division. You can maybe fill out a one seat. Boo-hoo. Coulter, me and you, we got problems. Let's start with your Broncos, my friend. You're looking at Drew Locke. Uh, You're looking at no, that can't I've, score. I've done this rant a couple times. Without an owner, there will never be a head coach or a quarterback that makes sense. We're just going to keep being on this carousel until they figure this out. We won't win a Super Bowl until we have an owner. You can't win a championship in pro sports without an owner. We don't have one. Um, it just isn't going to happen. So I'm just resigned to the team not being good until we figure that out. Um, I will say on a positive note, though, uh, I did some – pool analytics here a miserable one in 12 picking on the jaguars this year one in 11 sorry i don't know how i picked them 12 times but a beautiful 13 and three with the broncos okay you're my team you've seen your team. Well. team they're my best team of the year uh i can't say that that's happened in the past so i've definitely got a good vibe on this team i'm with the chiefs on saturday for anybody that's listening i think the line has moved in our favor um, the Broncos seem to be sitting a bunch of guys in their secondary. They're going to rely on the two rookies to start against Ty Hill and Travis Kelsey. I saw this last year against Josh Allen and Diggs. They tore us apart. Um, nothing in that game last week showed that this team is still playing hard for Vic Bangio, who, as I've gone on this pod, you know, and I guess I'll toss it over to you to rant about the Giants, is like, Vic is a really sound defensive coach and it sucks that we can't just demote him and let him be our defensive coach next year. Yeah. Because like I would take Vic Banjo as our DC every season going forward. And I know he's an old guy, but like, I really like the way he calls a defensive game and I love how he isolates uh, opposing quarterbacks sometimes. And really, he really makes them look bad. Um, but man, he is not head coach material. And this team has had just a litany of bad coaches run through now. Um, it's it's not good and bad quarterbacks too and I think Bridgewater lock those are obviously not the answers. Um, the GM is going to have egg on his face because I think he he took Bridgewater thinking he might get to a Rodgers or a you know somebody else this year and I don't think Rodgers is going to be available and they're going to have to offer up a lot to get a Wilson who hasn't really played well and who knows with Deshaun Watson so yeah I, I just to bring up uh, uh, Ty and though that. I feel like every team that's ever had Pat Shermer as a head coach has said the exact same thing. Can we just <laughs> demote him back to, cause there are certain guys, like there's just certain guys that are so good at being coordinators that they get the head coaching op- opportunity. And you're just like, nah, this is not working. I mean, we say this all the time that there's guys that are just meant to be coordinators. Look at the NFL right now, Dan Quinn in, in Dallas, that guy, not a head coach, but is a very good defensive coordinator. Yeah. I'll say Todd Bowles fits that category. In my opinion. Yes. You know, Todd Bowles, like, fantastic DC. Yep, he seems like a guy who's bound to get another head coaching job, but he's just a defensive coordinator in my mind. There's guys that are just better coordinators. Yep. And that segments uh, segues us <laughs> to the New York Football Giants. <laughs> I haven't seen a more embarrassing franchise 
in years. I saw a stat today. Actually, I haven't been surprised by Giants' pathetic stats. I was surprised by this one. At no point in the last five seasons have the Giants had a winning record. Not 1-0, not 2-1, not one point over five seasons have they had a winning record. Do you know how pathetic that is? That is they're the <laughs> only team, the Jaguars, have had winning records. They started 1-0 last year. It's, so do, you want, do you want us to answer that? Because I think I sent it to somebody today or saw it on the internet. The photo on the boat <laughs> is the landmark. They have not had a winning record since that picture. Correct. But did you see what else came out this week? A new <laughs> boat picture that I hope no. will break the curse. It was Danny <laughs> Jones or Danny Dimes. Oh, God. A couple other guys. It looked like this little small fishing pontoon boat. So it wasn't a big like yacht party yacht thing. But maybe it's like a it's like a Voldemort Horcrux. They need to have a new boat picture and just have this new thing just break all the bad juju. But it's just it's it's such a shit show. And the fact that we're letting Dave Gellman retire in honor instead of getting fired, especially this year where the NFL changed the rules where you can now interview candidates midseason if you fire the head coach or GM like you could have a leg up on these guys. Right. They're not doing that. They're letting him walk. We had Jerry Reese as our former GM. The guy won two Super Bowls, got fired midseason. But somehow Dave Gettleman, who's ran this ship to the ground, gets to retire honorably. It's fucking embarrassing. And then, like you said, Coulter, you guys don't have an owner? Well, we got a shit owner. He comes out and says, hey, guess what? Joe Judge, Daniel Jones, they're staying. Do you know how many GM candidates that eliminates? (laughs) Who's going to look at that job and be like, oh, well, I got to take these guys? Yeah, of course they still want that job. It is atrocious. And I don't know how it gets better because it seems like John Mayer's kid runs the scouting department and they're just hiring family members who are just don't know what they're doing in terms of evaluating talent. So the shit show is going to continue, in my opinion. I know there's no way for the NFL to um basically censor a bunch of billionaires, but I wish there was a law or a rule in the NFL where the owners – couldn't make comments or I mean, you really talk about bailing out owners, basically eliminating the situation where they put their, their foot in their own mouth. Like there should be no reason why Mara is giving that interview to the media being like, right. Oh, you know, what? I think I'm going to stick with judge, shut the fuck up, ride it out for the final four weeks, see how that goes. And then give your assessment. Why are you assessing? Why are you even fathom talking to a media? You're a billionaire. Don't talk to the media until the season's over. Then you'll have your decision. He clearly did not have his decision three weeks ago when he made those comments because the team is a disgrace. Right. And it continues to be a disgrace on offense in particular, but it's not a good team overall, as we've talked about many times on the pod. It's bereft of talent all over the field. And this is not an apples to apples comparison, but whenever we talk about a coach who's got a terrible team, what I always like to see, will the players play for him? Will they at least put in the effort? Season's over, right? They've got nothing to play for in theory. Do they at least come out and play hard? The Giants have not done that at all the past four or five weeks. In fact, it's gotten worse. You but just lost to Matt Nagy by 26 points. He's exactly. the worst coach. Exactly. And you look at a guy like Matt Nagy. Now, do the Bears play for him? Probably not. But they, at least he had the locker room ready. You look at, and this is the original comparison I was going to make. Look at a team like the Detroit Lions, okay? And I know it's not a same one-to-one comparison. I know Dan Campbell just started there. Their team is awful. They haven't been in competitive games in a long time. They're two and something, but every game they're competitive. Those guys are fucking playing for Dan Campbell. No one's playing for Joe judge. And then after this diatribe that he goes on a 10 minute, these guys, okay. They're, they're calling me to come back and play for us. Get the fuck out of here, Joe. It's embarrassing. baby. It it was incredible. I, you call it embarrassing. I call it incredible. Feed me every Joe judge press conference Every Brian Kelly interview, anytime <laughs> Herb's walking silently with his head down, just feed it all to me. Joe Judge is a fool. He acted like a fucking idiot. And I, I just think like that's that felt to me like that was either self-sabotage, like he wants out, or like he's like lost his mind. Like what what did he why would you even say that? Yeah, what did he think that was like yo, you I bench pressed like four hundred pounds? Yeah, who cares, bro? Nobody cares. Like, stop with this, like we're doing things the right way shit. 
You got your teeth kicked in. Just own it. Just own it. We're in a bad spot right now. We need to get a lot better. I hope I'm the guy to do it. I think I can. I think I got like say something that has like in any way, like not even inspiring. That's not really what I'm trying, but like something that isn't like the dumb stuff that was just falling out of his mouth for, for a long time. It was not a one quote interview either. Cause he wouldn't stop. Well, he tries to do the, like the Belichick thing, but the problem is he doesn't have the, the credibility to do it. And he also doesn't have the same messaging. Like Belichick at least is like straightforward and says, he's fucking, you know, we're onto this team. We're doing this. This is what we did. Joe Judge. Like, oh, it's man. just, it's so bad. And I don't think he's trying to self-sabotage here, Hughes, because his whole thing is he pitched John Mara on, this is like the New York, the tri-state area way. This is, we're going to we're gonna play hard for our community. It's, it's, it's bullshit. It's Ridiculous. such bullshit. We're going to play hard for the community by yeah. throwing the ball 11 times on the road. You're trailing the whole time. How does Glennon throw the ball 11 times last week? I don't get that. Yeah, and every and every Giants fan either lives in Manhattan or Connecticut. So I don't know what he's talking about. about <laughs> yeah, blue collar Giant fans. Every every blue collar. Amen. Tri-state area roots for the Steelers, the Eagles, or the Jets. You know, it's like one of the three. And maybe you got some Connecticut people who want to dip into the New England Patriots because they realize that greatness is near them. But at the same <laughs> time, I mean, no blue. Co- I mean, get out of here with that, Joe. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Now, we did mention that they lost to the Bears. I think it's only right for us at Double Down Trent to say a few words about our punching bag, Matt Nagy. As long as he's been around, we've been saying this guy is not a good coach. At least the past three years, he's been in the top five of our worst coaches. Coulter, you were at the forefront of this uh, little crusade here. I got to give you a ton of credit here. Give me a I was ra- I was ranting uh, against Matt Nagy. I was thinking about this earlier today and saying how bad of a coach he was before I got married. And now we're a month away from having our first child. So it's been a long stretch of me ranting against Matt Nagy. He's just not a good play caller. He's which is you know what's ironic is here in his last season and he's done a lot of bad things in this final season. It, they actually are finally running the ball effectively. Yeah. Which has been the thing that's challenged there. That's what really picked up me, my eyes watching them play. I was like, this guy doesn't know shit about offense three or four years ago. Is it because they can't run the ball? It should be simple to run the football. And they made it look so painfully hard. Something that your Giants have done a lot this year, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, no, I mean, Nagy, he's been a bad coach. He's been a bad manager. His, his quotes, uh, everything he's done uh, between roster, the kicking competition, uh, just like we were talking about with Joe Judge, I mean, I talking about a guy who puts his, yeah, his, his foot in his mouth all the time. I feel like he is always saying the complete wrong thing. Um, and then, you know, I mean, yeah, goes after gets the Dalton, they, they draft <laughs> fields. I mean, what are they doing this year? They've had three quarterbacks start in the last three weeks, and now they're had fields going back in yeah. after the sabbatical, and then now he's got COVID which just makes that decision to go with him even more confounding. It's just like, why were they trying to throw him back out to the, I don't get, I, I don't get anything that he's done in his whole tenure there. Uh, he's been an abysmal manager of that club, bad GM too, which obviously hurts them, but I think he's only made them worse over his, his time in Chicago. It only gives me a little bit of solace because at least there's another franchise out there. Almost as bad as the giants. <laughs> I will say this though. Well, uh, not to go back to the Giants real quick. I don't know if you've seen this, but the Jaguar fans are wearing uh, yeah, clown clowns. costumes to yeah. the Colts game. The Giants fans should mobilize and do something yeah. very similar because I've heard this comparison and I don't think it's very off. But I think the Jaguars and the Giants might be the two worst teams in the league. I mean, it, well, offensively, they're wear both a all black. Yeah, all they black. Wear all black funeral. Give give every ticket to a fucking Washington fan. Like, have it be a Washington home game. I don't know if it's tough to do, but like, make a statement. Show up. Yeah, or yeah, walk, know, we're walk Jaguar out. jerseys. Yeah, walk just, out. We're Jaguar jerseys. Say that we're this bad, that we're the Jaguars. This, this is how we awesome. feel. Awesome. I actually, the, the walkout idea I love, Hughes. Imagine seeing like the entire sold-out crowd just get up right before the opening peace, kickoff. Peace out. Walks out. Let's go get, go get some beers. Go hang get out in the parking lot. Parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that, that the game's good. meaningless. I mean, Why it's not? It's absolutely meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, and like, that's, that, that's the... You know, you draft a running back that high, things just don't – they just don't go well. They, the, the Giants are in a tough spot. 
I, I just, there was a lot of teams that are just, the, yeah. I mean, the Bears, Nag, Nagy, I, I will say, you know, he's a Pennsylvania guy. Um, grew up, uh, or grew up near where my wife's from, but, um, but yeah, like it just all comes down to these guys. It just seem like they can't communicate. You can't communicate to the public and to the media. You can't communicate to a full team of guys either. Like, I think we've seen the same, a lot of the same downfalls with a lot of these guys and you know, herb classic rest <laughs> in peace. I mean, who else? What? I mean, there's got, I mean, is, is Pete done in Seattle? So they can try and keep Russell. Nah, I think Russell Pete's brings gone. in his own coach. I think, yeah, I think Carol's gone. I think Zimmer's gone. Coulter, you were, you were saying those guys preseason, actually. So I got to give you credit on those ones. Um, they cast, a, cast a, season, a Seattle season win under last week. Uh, or actually, no, it was two weeks ago. So I was happy about that one, yeah. Oh, and we also could have made the uh, unfortunate, maybe fortunate connection between the fact that um, the Bears are going to have a coaching vacancy and Jim Harbaugh is two steps out of yeah. Ann Arbor. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he's named the next head coach there. But I mean, Hughes, let me talk about this one. People are all kind of surprised Michigan world. It's very simple. He gave half his salary back to keep his job. At yeah. Michigan. Of course, two, he wants to now go in the NFL. He wants his money back. Two, yeah. Two options. It's one is, OK, I got my Ohio State win. I I don't want to make this weird and get like another big contract for Michigan because then I'm locked in. Yep. Why not just leave now? you're on a high note. And I, the, the only thing that I just don't know is if they have, they would want to keep that staff together. I think he's, I think the reason they were good this year not to get back to college football is that he built a good staff. So I think that, that, that would make sense. And I think he, he just, I, I think it would make, I think, I think both sides may want to do that. Cause I don't know if yeah. Michigan would offer him. Cause a lot of times guys do this for leverage. You know, they're like, Oh, I'm leaving. And it's like, Oh, here's your 10 year, yeah. $400 billion. Con-. They're not going to do that again with him. I don't think. I don't think so either. I, I really wish the Giants would make an offer, make a run at Harbaugh too, because I mean the guy knows what he's doing. The guy can coach, the guy can build programs, but the Bear yeah. reunion just—it seems too easy. It seems, yeah, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. Uh, other than there being an Ohio State quarterback there, which may the stink <laughs> of that may just may keep him away. <laughs> All right, let's look to our Week 18 board. It's bonus oh, football. Boy. It's our first time ever picking a Week 18. Let's start with you, Hughes. You got the lead in the pool. Give us your first pick of the week. Guys, so sometimes, you know, like it's like the the analogy of someone cheats on you and you go back to them. I'm going back to the person that cheated on me last weekend who I think was clearly trying to lose. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. We have it <laughs> in our pool at, my, at plus one and a half. Uh, for the Browns, I'm doing this because Case Keenum is starting at quarterback. I have an infinite amount of faith in Case Keenum over Baker Mayfield. I think he has incentive to try and win way more than Baker. And what happened in the last game was they decided we're not going to beat up Chubb, even though he was averaging seven yards a carry. We're, we just are not. He got twelve. I think he had twelve carries. Like it was, uh, it was the most unbelievable thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I think they wanted to show like they really wanted to win because they were playing the Steelers, obviously of a rival this week. I think they're going to give Case Keenum the keys to the castle, see if he can win them a game. Uh, and Joe Burrow's not playing. So if Joe Burrow's not playing, I mean, I'm just not sold on what the Bengals are going to bring to the table. And so therefore I'm riding the Browns. Uh, the girl who cheated on me and stumbled back into my life. Uh, plus one and a half. Okay. Coulter, what do you think? I mean, at this number in the pool, uh, I didn't know we were handing out the the bad numbers, but yeah, I mean, you got to do with the Cleveland. Right? I think they're now minus six in on the market, yeah. so it's yeah. a no brainer. Um, saw the backup quarterback Brandon Allen in Denver a couple of years ago. He's pretty limp uh, for the Cincinnati. That is, um, yeah. I mean, I think the Browns have got motivation. I think. Stefanski was the coach of the year last year. This is a team that won a playoff game. They tremendously um, went under what their expectations were this year. They're going to want to try to get back on the right uh, side of things. And then obviously the line value. And as Hughes pointed out, I think an upgrade to Case Keenum at this point, Baker has been just one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen. 
they ran the same play 400 times last week. Like they're going to have to do, even if I'd rather see what Case Keenum than what Baker was doing. He's hurt. He didn't want to get hit. He was in a bad situation. He's not good at all right now. Um, and there's there's been word that Stefanski not pleased with Baker and the way he's been executing the offense. So maybe this is like a little uh, showcase for Stefanski to show what he can do with a healthy quarterback. I'm full green as well. I'm on the brownies. Like you said, Colter, the line movement right now is sitting at the Browns minus six. So we got seven and a half points of value here. Too good to pass up. Yeah, I, I, I think that they'd sit Chase too, which means their offense is going to be totally, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, without Burrow, Mixon, and Chase, I mean, how do they move right. the ball consistently? They, they have nothing to play for, right? They're locked in at their seed, right? Yeah, they're they're locked in as the winner of the North, and they, I mean. Because I, I think three of the four, they very convolutedly can get into the one seed, but they need basically every good team to lose. They need like the Colts to lose, the Chiefs to lose, the Titans to lose. It's a ridiculous situation. Yeah. They need multiple double-digit uh, favorites to to lose straight up. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I don't see it either. And not to oh. mention, I mean, Burrow tweaked his knee, I think, at the end of that game. So Yeah. All right, Colt, let's get your first pick of the week. Well, I was going to go with the Vikings, but the line moved, so I didn't want to uh, to give that one out. But a quick handicap on the, that game. I just think that Minnesota at home um, under three, if you could somehow find it. I don't think you can now, but, I mean, it just feels like they're so cheap with the Bears coming off a two-game win streak that's totally fraudulent and misleading. So that was the one that I looked to. I'm actually going to um, – the first bet I'm going to go with is New England. I've been uh, trying to figure out how I was going to replace Minnesota here on the card. I think you're going to get a max motivated New England team. This is a team that likes to peak this time of year. Um, Jones is not the same quarterback he was the first week when they played. This is 17 weeks later. I think the Patriots are getting uh, healthier. Um, I think Miami I had one of the worst losses in, of the season last week in terms of um, not just margin, but uh, dream crusher. They they made history winning or losing seven and then winning seven. I just don't see the dynamic. How do you get up for a game like this? I know it's a division rival. I know Flores, um, you know, is Belichick's guy and he can talk a big game, but I just think this team is going to be flat. They can't run the football. Quite frankly, they can't stop the run, and that's exactly what New England wants to do. I, I just think New England matches up really well for, with this team now, and I think people are going to jump on the six and a half because it's a pretty big number for a home dog that's eight and eight, and a team that's also played New England really well at home over the years, as Hughes can attest to. I think Miami's probably the hardest place um, the, the Patriots have had to go play, maybe besides mile high. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like New England minus six and a half here. Um, I think they're max motivated. Uh, I just don't see Miami competing in this game. They can't run. They can't stop the run. I like Mac Jones to throw the ball. Um, yeah, I, I see this game being New England 30, Miami 13. And oh, and I forgot two against Belichick. I always am going to go Belichick. Hughes, that's your squad. I feel like you're in agreement. Yeah, no, uh, I, I'm, I'm very high on the Pats in this game. They obviously have something to play for. Um, I don't foresee the Bills losing. Um, they're playing the Jets. Uh, but at the same time, um, I do think they get into a weird seating situation. Now, maybe they don't. The only weird thing that I could think about is that they don't want to play the Bills in the first round, but they beat the Bills. I think they are very comfortable going to Buffalo. Um, obviously, I think if they if the Pats lose and Indy wins or the I think Indy hops them because they've got the tiebreaker. Um, so the Pats would be six and they'd play the Bengals. Um, I actually have a, but, I have a bold take here. I, I think the reason why they're max motivated is not for the division. I think the last team that Belichick wants to play, this is a hot take, is Tennessee. I think he does not want to be the seven seed because I think he thinks Tennessee with Henry and Brown is a really hard out. I think Brown is the type of receiver that gives them fits because he's gigantic and they have small corners. And God damn it, I would not want to play Derrick Henry in January if I was no. any sort of coach, even if I was Bill Belichick. So I think yeah. their motivation is to avoid, uh, and quite frankly, it could be Casey in the one spot. I'm sure they wouldn't want to play that team. I'm thinking if they win the wild card round, they, they definitely don't want to match up seven versus one versus Tennessee. Uh, that That's a, just a not good matchup for them, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree, and that's where I think they play to win. Obviously, it's a division rival, uh, so yeah, no, I like the Pats in this spot, um, and I like I like their chances going to Buffalo next week. 
assuming that's who they end up playing. Or, and if the Bengals lose, Buffalo will hop them. So they'll end up playing the Bengals. Yeah. I like the Pats in this game as well. The only thing that might give me a slight hesitation is, is already been addressed by you guys is that for whatever reason, it seems like the Pats trip up in Miami at the end of the season. Yeah. I think it's happened, what, used two or three times in the past? Yeah, you know, they lost on a Hail Mary play. They've lost times like where you're just like, wait, they're way better than this team. They've definitely had a difficult time playing down there. One of the issues is it's going to be hot. Yeah, uh, it's going to be warm for this game. Um, obviously, they had the uh, they had the indoor facility cranked up one of the days this week to try and simulate a little bit of that. But um, but it's just different, you know, practicing and everything down there and then going and playing. If you've been in New England, it's been snowing for the last month. And I feel like one of the years it happened was Brady's last year, right? Like they had a chance to clinch the one seed and they lost down in Miami and they had played Tennessee yeah, in the playoff game. Yeah, I think they hit a wacky like lateral play. Yeah, something weird. Looking ladder thing. Yeah. That would be my only hesitation, but I mean at six and a half, I think that's too juicy of a line to not take. Yeah, I, I just think Belichick's gonna run it up. If he has the opportunity to run it up on this team, and if you think about it, think of the recipe that I they can't stop the run and they can't <clears throat> run. It's that to me signals a team that could get blown out and Belichick is going to run it up on them if he can, because they beat him in week one in that, you know, really weird game. And then as we just walked through, they have a really bad history losing down there. So yeah, I, I love the fact that they're motivated for playoffs, motivated with history and man, there has to be something about, it, and I'd love to revisit this next week. This is, I think is a really dream spot. I, I said it, there no team in NFL history has ever won seven or lost seven and then won seven. And then they lost the game. Then they have to go back out and play another game next the following week. Miami's crushed. There's no way they're up for this game. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad spot for them. And and they are eliminated officially. Eliminated. It yes. Does, it is a big part of this too. They're playing for. And Tua has proven himself this year. He's earned another year. So it's not like he's like in a situation where he's trying to play for his job, like an Andy Dalton type um, right. or play for another job. He's secure as their quarterback. I think next yeah. year, as weird yep. as that sounds. And it's crazy because he's had such an up and down season, but yeah, that win streak is a little, a little flimsy when you look at it and you look at the actual quarterbacks that they played against. So I like mm-hmm. that. Now for my first pick, I know it's tough to pick a game here where there's not much line movement because there's been so much. I'm going to try and mitigate that a little bit here. My first pick, I'm taking the Kansas city chiefs against your Broncos Coulter in our pool. It's listed at nine and a half, which is why I like that number. The line movement now it's up to 11 and a half. I still like 11 and a half. Now we've covered it a little bit here. This is a team that's trying to get the one seat here. They're playing on Saturday. They've got a chance to go out on national TV and make a statement. They've played the Broncos tight. And I know the last game they played was on primetime this year. It was a low-scoring, ugly affair. I don't know if they covered 9.5. I'd have to go back and look at that. But They did. They this did. is ex- actually the exact same spread as the first time they played, believe it okay. or not. So the reason that I like this number is that this is uh, two teams that have the potential to go in very opposite directions. Colter, we've talked about this. If the Broncos get down, how are they coming back? How are they scoring? Right? I mean, in in a world where the Chiefs could potentially take the opening kick, score a touchdown, get out there on defense, and now you're having Drew Locke come back and try and score points on this team, I just don't think they can keep up with them with the chance for a one seed on the line. I like that. Now, I would throw this out there to folks, too. And this is a use-your-own-discretion that if you can get an alternate line, anything under 14 here, I like. Because I do think there is a backdoor cover here. Nine and a half will cover with the 10. You know, you might want to gamble and get up to that. Maybe if you want to think about it, anything under 14, I like. So that's where I'm standing with the Chiefs. I'll kick it to you, Coulter, since you're the Broncos fan. Yeah, as I previously mentioned, I'm on Chiefs in this one. Um, I just think that we have too many injuries, too many COVID things going on. They had a lot of COVID stuff going on against the Chargers last week, which is why I faded them. The line moved. I think it's moving again. for the same reasons right now, as I mentioned, two starters in the secondary are out. This is a team that's had a lot of linebacker injuries. I think we went over that in a previous pod too. They just don't have guys. In my opinion, I'm, I'm looking at the personnel that are going to be able to guard Travis Kelsey and he's the engine of that offense. So it's, if he's having a Travis Kelsey day where he's going over hundred yards, it's like, I think they're just going to be able to get to that 15. And as you just said, sit on it. I don't see our offense threatening. Um, the two things I will say, uh, they have 
very misleading finals. They do play Kansas City tight, this defense, and Mahomes has had issues, although I don't think it's going to be a problem with the personnel on the field Sunday. And then two, uh, this line has been way inflated. It was three and a half look ahead, and obviously it raised up because KC lost, and now they're desperate, to, or they must win. Um, but I just, the, all the line movement, it's eight points of line movement because of the Chiefs' motivation and the fact that Broncos got blown out last week. Faulty final. We had COVID. The Chargers ran back a kick. It was a stupid game. Uh, not to make excuses, but like if that's the reason why it's moved eight points, anything to have to do with that Chargers Broncos game last week, I think that's uh, something to be wary of. I, as a fan of the team, we looked like shit, but I mean, there's a reason behind that. Absolutely. All right, Hughes, let's get your key pick of the week, my friend. So we might get a crossfire on this. I don't oh. know. Uh, I'm going to the Indianapolis Colts. Ooh. Minus 15 and a half. I think it's down to 14 and a half now, um, but I'm taking the Colts minus 15 and a half. The Jaguars got beat by the Pats 50 to 10. The Jaguars have less than nothing to play for. The Jaguars are dead. The Colts need to win. Um, they need to win. They can't lose. They're going to come out and absolutely annihilate this team might win by a hundred Colts easy in Jacksonville. This was my original key pick. I've since changed the key pick, but I'm still on the Colts. My only concern here, and I just want to say this (laughs) is that week one game last year. I don't know why it stands out to me. Now, is it because the Jag just play the Colts tight? Maybe, but I'm with you, Hughes. I'm on the Colts here. This is a must-win game for them. This is a get-right game opportunity for them. They can build some momentum into the playoffs, and the Jags are just dead. I think if the Jags were competitive against the Pats or maybe at least didn't get embarrassed by the Pats, maybe you can say the Colts or the the Jags can cover this one, but I don't see it happening, so I'm with you here. Colter, I know you were flirting here, so what do you think? (laughs) I'm definitely not going to crossfire. Yeah, I, so I, I went back to my season records. It's so funny. I'm 13 and three with the Broncos and three and 13 with the Jaguars, either on and against. Just an absolute bloodshed of a uh, 2021 with them. Although I did cash my uh, under win total on them, so that makes me feel better. But man, I can't pick this team. I, for some reason, saw 15 and a half and went to them because it's just such a ludicrous amount of points. They've beaten the Colts seven straight times at home in Jacksonville, which is really ridiculous when you think about it they are the worst franchise in the nfl i know the giants have been pretty bad lately but the jaguars in the last 10 years are the worst team they've beaten a team seven straight times at home that's like an anomaly um so something about jacksonville at home versus indy is there is something there that we can't ignore um lawrence has to want to put something better on tape i would think um, I think Indianapolis is secondary is a little underrated. And this is the one reason other than the fact that I just thought it was too many points for a division game. Wild conspiracy theory. Doesn't the NFL want Jacksonville to win this game to make the freaking rest of the playoff thing, the rest of the day, lot interesting, or at least keep it close. The Sunday, like yeah. the, we want to keep the drama in Jacksonville at a high entering the fourth quarter because then that creates unknowns in the Baltimore game. It creates unknowns in the, all the other games. It's like a huge domino effect. So I think there's a little bit of a chicanery there going on with the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised if that game's a little tighter um, just because it keeps the interest. If it's a blowout and Indianapolis has a wild card spot, then that really means that Sunday night's the only thing that matters in the AFC, right? Yep. Cause I mean, Buffalo in theory is going to blow out the jets seal up the AFC East. And then the rest of that playoff picture is going to, it's all going to come down to Sunday night. So I think it makes those other games a lot less intriguing. So we'll see. All right, but I don't love, I don't love the pick. I'm not going to crossfire. I despise Jacksonville as you know. Yeah. You just can't do it. We'll see though. If there's a bunch of flags and some fluke uh, holding calls coming out here, maybe you're right. Maybe you're onto something here, Coulter. All right, bud, you're up now, Coulter. Let's get your key pick of the week. You know, I, uh, have it in the pool and it's moved in my favor and I didn't think it was going to, but means I have to be on the right side here. Uh, and I gladly will welcome a crossfire because I actually really do like this one. Philadelphia plus six and a half. Um, I think they're going to end up getting Kelsey Cox and a few others back. 
Why is this important? These are veterans that know that momentum can't be turned off at this time of year. These are guys that helped them win a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Getting your butt kicked by Dallas, even if it's the backups in the last week of the season, uh, is a momentum killer. And I don't think that they're going to want that. You have a new coach who wants to have his first season end on a high note in Sirianni. I know they've clinched and they have not, nothing to gain for. I've heard this rhetoric all week long. They have nothing to play for, blah, 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 blah. Yes, they do. He's building a program. What the fuck kind of a take is that? The man is in <laughs> right. the first year. He's not Belichick. Right. He's not yeah. Belichick. If I hear right. that take again, that Sirianni is going to rest his guys because they have nothing to play for. It's like, dude, he's a first year coach. He has everything in the world to prove. He is a very, very yellow quarterback. I just don't understand this take. I expect a close, low scoring game. Both teams playing things close to the vest. I love first half under. I'm already in on that play. Um, I really would recommend that to the listeners. First half under in the Dallas game. Really, really like that. Dallas hasn't looked whole on offense. That's why I like that. Philly's ground attack is going to keep Dallas's offense off the field. Um, And I, I think this is an interesting point on the total and also on the Philly side. Because I think both teams go more conservative in this game, I think it minimizes the chance that there's a big turnover that swings the score. And these are the types of plays that Dallas's defense has leaned on throughout the season to get margin on teams. I just don't see a pick six in this game. I don't see a fumble six. I don't see a punt return touchdown. I just see a very uh, conservative close game, maybe 16-13, something like that. Um, bit of a revenge spot for Philly. I love that factor. They got blown out on Monday night. The team has found its identity since then. They were completely identity-less uh, in that loss. Uh, and most importantly, I think here, Philly needs a marquee win. Uh, it lacks a big win on its schedule. Its best wins, I think, are Denver and uh, the Chargers. It really is just not a good schedule for them if you look at it. Uh, not a single win over a playoff team. Actually, they, have, they didn't beat the Chargers because they don't have a win over a playoff team. Um, this is the easiest spot for them to do that, especially if the Cowboys pull Dak in the second half. Um, I don't necessarily love the money line, um, but man, there's, there's so much motivation for Philadelphia to keep this one close that it'd be stupid for me not to take the six and a half points. I'll spoiler alert. I actually have a little sprinkle on the money line here for the Eagles. Uh, yeah. I think this is a good spot. And the Cowboys, I know they're missing Mike Parsons. I think uh, Tyron Smith, their left tackle is out. And when he doesn't play, I mean, that offense is completely different. Um, and you're right, Coulter. There's more motivation here. The Eagles can make a statement by beating the Cowboys. They have a potential to play them in the playoffs, maybe not in the first round, but at some point they could be playing the Cowboys. And if you come out and stick it to them in week 18, I mean, that sets the tone for a team that, like you said, it's a first-year head coach. He's, he's got to send the locker room that he's here to win, and that's an opportunity for them. Um, and you nailed it, too. The line movement's down to four and a half, so that means there's a lot of money on the Eagles. So I'm with you. I'm on the Eagles here. What do you think, Hughes? Yeah, and I mean, I think the Cowboys have absolutely nothing to play for. The game is in Philadelphia. The weather's probably not going to be great. Um, I, I just, uh, the Eagles, I think, can still get the sixth seed, which gets them out of the Rams situation. It does get them the Bucks, but I would think that they'd be more comfortable playing the Bucks than going out west, but I don't know. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of advantages here uh, to, to the Eagles having much more to play for. Uh, than the Cowboys do. And I, I'm surprised Dak's playing at all, if I'm being yeah. honest. I, 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 I would not be surprised if we got a game time or an early hook. They just they can't go up. I, I don't think they have any upward mobility because the Bucks are, are already at 12 wins and the Bucks have the tiebreak because they beat them earlier this year. So unless I'm not sure on those tiebreakers, I just don't see why the Cowboys come out in Philly motivated to try and win by seven. So, like, I mean, especially I could try to surprise it. It's, it's Mike McCarthy just coming up <laughs> with some sort of ridiculous logic that he needs to play Dak. Because you're absolutely right, Hughes. There is absolutely no reason that we should see Dak in this game. No, uh, no. I think McCarthy, though, gave us a little breadcrumbs last week that he's ready to just botch this thing full blown here with the Cowboys. I just don't oh, trust. Yeah. I, I feel like of all and I like. Prescott I really think he is a good quarterback and we've talked about it um but there is something about Mike McCarthy I just love seeing the six and a half here it's like you've got max motivated first year coach versus this lethargic guy who's already been to a bunch of NFC championship games who thinks he knows the recipe to get to the Super Bowl and it's just like he probably doesn't you know he probably really doesn't have the formula that he thinks he has and like I'll just take a flyer on the first year guy um, because yeah. I, I just think he's more hungry. I think there's going to be a lot of complacency in the Dallas 
coaching uh, staff this week in particular. Maybe they'll turn it around next week for the playoffs. But, man, I just don't see this being like the most focused game from their coaching staff this week. I don't, I don't know why yeah. that would be. Yeah. I don't see it either. And, I, I, you know, in my thought process is maybe the reason they're trotting Dak out there is that, you know, you look at their performances on the road. They're not a good road team. Dak struggled on the road. So maybe you're trying to get Dak right before the playoffs, but it just creates a huge risk. So I, I think you just lost Gallup too. It's like, what's right. the point? Of yeah. Huge right. risk. Right. Huge. So I think you're more likely to see what Hughes laid out there where you see a quick hook and, you know, maybe Dak plays the first quarter and then he's out of that game. So a lot of value for the Eagles here. All right. Dallas is Dallas has spent heavy on their best players too. Not to make an obvious comment. This is a top heavy team. Um, it's not built around the edges like the Patriots Super Bowl teams from the past. And this is a team right. that spent on <laughs> Zeke. They spent on Dak. And if both of those guys are sitting, uh, their replacements are not going to be as good as Philly's replacements who, I mean, Hughes can attest being in that area. They've been, that offensive line has been playing with backups for the better part of two seasons. Now if there's any team that's used to filling in uh, with bodies. Oh, yeah. It's Philadelphia. And yeah. And, and, probably the best offensive, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL uh, and a defensive line that's been playing a lot better. So if it turns into a front seven game and you don't have the DAC factor, I just think they have an advantage there too. They're a better running team. Um, they've got a, a more depth at running back to, to, what, to your point. And I don't know if Hertz plays, but they also have the better backup. Uh, we saw yes. Minshew play earlier Minshew. in the year. And even if Minshew plays, he can deal. I, I just, I, I, I just think this is a six and a half points, especially in our picks league, but even four and a half. Like if you're getting yep. over a field goal, I mean, yep. it seems like a no brainer. Here, here's oh, one. If you're Dan Quinn, and this might be the first time anybody's ever thought about this. What is the upside of playing your defense against Minshew? If you're Dan Quinn, I mean, you're right. going to get picked apart by a team's backup quarterback in the last week of the season before the playoffs, potentially. I mean, I'm not saying Minshew is going to throw 300 yards against Dallas starting secondary, but it could happen. I mean, right. why would you want to have that happen before this, the playoffs? Yeah. Again, that's where I sprinkled the money line. I can see a lot of these Cowboys stars getting pulled early. So I would pull Definitely. their whole secondary against Minshew. That's a bad idea to start yeah. those guys against him. All right. My key pick, like I said, I, I moved it off of the Colts. <clears throat> it may come back to bite me in the ass, but we'll see. I'm just picking against a dead football team, and I'm picking against my team. Oh. I'm picking the Washington football team. <laughs> oh, Minus six and a half. It's the shit bowl. Let's just let's give it a title oh, because man. it's going to be the ugliest game of the fucking week. Nothing to play for. We hit rock bottom. We hit officially this rock is a bottom. Good moment. <laughs> it's a good moment. Answer There's nowhere this, to though. go. Answer me this. From you here. guys watched the highlights at least of the Giants Bears game, right? The offense. I swear to God, we've talked about this on our, our our text chains. I think Georgia and Alabama can both have a more efficient offense than the New York Football Giants can at this point. Where are they scoring points? We got Jake Fromm back under center. We saw what happened with Jake Fromm, okay? It's pretty clear why he's never made it in the NFL. And somehow he's worse than Mike Glennon. So we're starting him, first of all. This team has quit. There's no life left in this team. It's embarrassing. And not to say that the football team has life, because they don't. But Joe Judge kind of gave them some motivation by saying, hey, we're not punching guys on the sideline. Now, he, I, I agree with you. Yeah. You don't think Ron Rivera's like, listen, this guy is fucking making a mockery of our team here. You don't think Ron can at least get his team up for one last divisional game of the year? Because I don't think Joe Judge can do it. So this is a purely contrarian pick here. But how are we scoring? Like, literally, if you guys want to make a bet with me, will the Giants score more than 10 points? I don't <laughs> think they will. <laughs> oh, man. I no, I'm I'm with you. I'm on Washington. I have not been on Washington. I, you, if I looked at my season betting Washington, I'm probably like zero and seventeen um, <laughs> or sixteen. I mean, uh, but at the same time, like no, I'm with you. I, I, there's nothing redeemable about what the Giants have been doing, and I don't understand what motivation they would have in any way to win the game, um, both from a draft pick front office situation, from a playoff situation from kind of a coaching situation other than Joe judge wanting it to look like the team cares. I think Joe judge is out. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I've come around to that. I, I think Mara spoke way out of turn and tried to make it feel like they might get a good product the last couple of years. 
uh, the last couple of weeks. And we'll use that as an excuse to fire Joe judge because of the GM situation, because they're going to be totally hosed trying to bring in a GM with a lame duck coach. No one wants to come into that. Other, like it's just a waste of a year. Um, fine with the quarterback. You got a quarterback on a cheap deal. Fine. Who cares? Um, so you got Dan coming back, but I, I mean, I think judge is gone. I think the giants get rolled. I agree with you. I think the Redskins, there's guys on that team that'll be there next year. Yeah. I don't know if any giants player knows that they'll be there next year. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. And if, if I'm Taylor Heineke, I'm thinking that this is one last shot to prove that I'm the starting quarterback. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And he may yep. not be, but at least in his head, he's going to come out and play. He he's way better than any guy the Giants are going to put under. hundred percent. hundred percent. And I don't. Taylor Heineke is symbolic, right. as we've already talked about on Double Down Trend. He is really the symbolism for what is the failure of the Giants organization because they walked into this season with DJ, and that's fine. You know, we can hold our opinions on Daniel Jones, but you have to have to do better at back quarterback than Glennon. You just have to. Yeah. You have to do it's, better. It's the it's the absolute you're absolutely right the epitome of having a bad offensive line is that you need to have a good quarterback backup quarterback and they had to know that they had a bad offensive line they can't have thought that this offensive line was going to be good dan, dan, dan jones broke his neck i know and that might runs, not have been the offensive runs. Line. jones runs the ball I, I, mean, I saw them in the first game of the year he had 10 runs that was the only time that the giants fans clapped at home all season is when he was running up the middle it's like, yep. how do you not know with a quarterback who runs the ball like Josh Allen does in a bad yeah. offensive line yeah. that you didn't have a backup quarterback in place? This, it's so scary, bad that they didn't have one. The scary thing is they might have thought that they did. And yeah. that's where they're at right now. Exactly. And if I can make one more final indictment on the Dave Gettleman era, they handpicked Mike Glennon, Glennon. as the backup. Yeah. And you know who was the yeah. backup last year who won a game for them in Seattle? Colt McCoy, who came in and won a game uh, this year for Arizona. He's awesome. So they had to sit there and say, no, no, Colt McCoy is not our backup. Let's go with fucking Mike Glennon. It's Yikes. just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. He's made $31 million in his career, Mike Glennon. How about that? Yeah. And That's you know who gave him the big contract? The Bears. The Bears. Two the shitty Bears. franchises. Oh, yeah. Terrible. All right, gentlemen. Well, this is a, a lovely bonus week. I cannot believe the regular season is fucking coming to an end. The NFL season yeah. flies by. It's scary. Flies. Well, Hughes, best of luck, my friend. I hope you hang Thanks. out at the number one spot. Coulter, I hope I jump to third and you jump to fourth. Let's have a beautiful Sunday. That would be Sunday. cool, right? Right? That'd Let's all sick. get some money. <laughs> Let's do it, boys. All right, everybody. That was episode 122 in the books. We'll see everybody next week on Double Down Trend. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's oh, who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.